You're listening to Managing Leadership Anxiety, Yours and Theirs, a podcast offered in partnership with Missio Alliance. Each episode, we discuss internal and relational pressures, how they block effective leadership, and how we can move through them to a greater health. And now your host, Steve Cuts. All right, folks, welcome as we continue Season 7 of the Managing Leadership Anxiety Podcast. Yeah, as most of my regular listeners know, most weeks I bring on a guest, interview my guest and find out more about them, get under the surface of what's going on in their life, and we have a pretty frank and open conversation about leadership anxiety. And then once in a while, I'll just come on the mic by myself, sometimes Brendan and I, my sometime co-host, occasionally one of my Capable Life members will come on and join me and we'll talk about a specific area of anxiety. So today it's just me. I want to give you just some very basic tools, kind of a reset for some of you, but also for those of you who have recently joined the podcast, hopefully this will be helpful to you. And uh, after giving you those basic tools, I'm just going to give you an update on what's going on in my life. Uh, As many of you know, I'm in the middle of a leadership transition, so I'll catch you up on that and then we'll be on our way. Probably a shorter episode today. All right. So first of all, managing leadership anxiety. The simple idea is that if we want to be well as human beings, we need to become aware of what's bubbling under the surface in us. That's where it always begins is with us. Figure out what's triggering me, what's making me reactive. What are some of the same regular patterns where I find myself getting anxious? And typically, for most of us who are leaders or parents, it's the same things when we feel attacked, when we're tired, when we feel threatened by something, or most commonly, when we don't get what we think we need, then we get anxious. And uh, we have between 15 and 50 false needs. So, for example, in my life, uh, the need to be right, the need to be understood, the need to be liked. These are just be some of the many needs that I tend to live for that when I don't get them, then I get anxious. And so this is managing leadership anxiety. And we always begin in what we call the first space, which is the space inside me. Because if you can notice and name what's going on in you, then you can actually work with God to calm yourself or let the gospel and God calm you down. And that that increases your capacity. That increases your capacity to deal with more kinds of people, to deal with difficult people. It also increases your capacity to walk into anxious situations where others are anxious and work on staying calm so that you can help them. So in the world of chronic anxiety, there are four spaces where anxiety resides. The space inside me, the space between me and another, the space inside the other, and the space between others. I'm just going to say it again. The space in me, the space between me and the other, the space inside the other, and the space between others. So, space inside me, what's boiling under the surface in me? What's bubbling up and making me be reactive and defensive? What gets my mind spinning? What gets me fidgety? These are all the signs that I'm anxious The space between me and another, if you are married or if you have a child or if you were raised by parents, then you know this kind of space where you end up getting reactive between you and another person. The space inside the other, just like you have a little boiling collective bubbling under the surface in your own life, so does the person you're anxious about. 
And then, of course, the space between others is particularly attuned when you walk into a room and there's already a mood in that room. And sometimes you walk in and you feel like you've stepped on a mood, you know, like you're like, man, something was going on before I walked into this room. And that fourth space, the space between others, one of the things I do is I train leaders to be attentive to how you change the space when you walk into it. That was one of my early lessons as a leader is my size, my physical size, the tone of my voice, my position in an organization. All of these change the dynamic when I walk into a room. But also, I can learn to be attuned to what's going on between people when I walk into a room. These are some of the early lessons I learned as a trauma chaplain, as a hospice chaplain. I had to become very quickly attuned, like within seconds of all four spaces, if I was going to really serve people at their worst and, and their most painful moments. So that's kind of a very simple overview of what this show is about, what my life work is about. It's helping leaders and parents notice and name sources of anxiety in them and in the people they love and in their teams so that we can become healthy together, so that we can be emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy. Because it's my experience that most faith leaders um, are sometimes the last to know when we're not okay. And oftentimes we, we sacrifice our well-being for the sake of serving others. And we think it's selfless, but, but it's not. So my thesis is very simple, that the most important thing that you have to offer your people, whether you're a leader or a parent, is a well self, an emotionally well self, a spiritually well self, a self that receives the grace that you teach others about, that that the love of God that you're so good at telling others about, that you're encountering it yourself on a regular basis. In, in my line of work, I believe the number one threat to that is chronic anxiety. So particularly for my new listeners, let's have a quick chat about anxiety because Anxiety is one word that covers broad territory. Um, in our culture, anxiety can mean a lot of different things. And it's very common for a leader. In fact, I had this conversation last week uh, where a, a person says, oh, I work for a leader who just doesn't ever believe he's anxious. It's common for a leader to say, well, I'm not an anxious person because when you think of anxiety, you think of worry and fear. That's kind of the broad culture's definition of anxiety is when you're worried and when you're afraid. And absolutely, those can be signs you're anxious. But in my line of work, which is a little more clinical, anxiety is understood through the lens of reactivity. That's how you know you're anxious. When you find yourself getting reactive, when you need to have the last word, when when you're in a meeting and even though no one asked you, you feel a need to speak. When someone comes to you with their problem and you try to fix it because you don't know how to stay present to that person, that you shrink their problem down to a size that you can fix and you think it's for them, but it's really because you can't manage the anxiety in you. When you have a meeting with that person and they don't understand you and so you keep chasing them and giving them more insight, trying to get uh, understood because you believe you have to be understood when you need respect, when, when you need to be liked, when you need that last sermon you preach to be the best sermon they've ever heard, even though it wasn't. All of these, these are the things that make us reactive. So one of the ways that you can understand anxiety is to start to notice your reactivity. And then as related to that, one of the things we teach is that anxiety or reactivity is contagious in a group. So with some time and skill, you can learn to notice anxiety spreading in a group. 
you know, one of the simplest ways to notice this, honestly, is to go to a grocery store and follow around a parent with a toddler (laughs) until the toddler has a meltdown. And then just watch how everyone reacts. That's when you'll see anxiety spread in a group. And of course, sometimes when people get anxious, they fight. They get bigger. They get more aggressive, more assertive. That was me in my early days. The very first encounter I had as a chaplain when I walked into a room and people were screaming with grief and I didn't know what to do. Incidentally, one of the ways that you can figure out your anxiety is just go do something that you don't know much about. Go lead in new territory. That'll that'll make you anxious. So here I was with these screaming, grieving people and I didn't know what to do. And so I got bigger, by which I mean I took charge. What the situation required was for me just to be present, but I was anxious and so I took over, for example. So some people get bigger, they get louder, they get they interrupt more, they, they speak with more force. Other people, of course, do the opposite. They retreat. Um, they start to, you can sometimes see that someone's anxious because they put their head down. They just try to become invisible. So anxiety is sophisticated. And clinically, the field of anxiety I work in is called chronic anxiety. There's obviously all kinds of anxieties. There's generalized anxiety, there's social anxiety, there's post-traumatic stress, there's grief. These are all real forms of anxiety. They generate real symptoms. But my specialty is chronic anxiety because it's the number one form of anxiety carried by any leader. And chronic anxiety is fascinating because it's built on false belief. The things that you think you need that you don't really need. The beliefs that you have about yourself that keep you bound instead of free, the beliefs you have about other people, the beliefs you have about God. And I get really excited about teaching about chronic anxiety, especially to faith leaders, and honestly, especially to parents, because when I think of a parent, I I think of faith leader. I get really excited about it because I, I believe the gospel has a lot to say that can dissolve our chronic anxiety, because if chronic anxiety is built on something that's false, The gospel is true and it sets us free. So the more we can understand what is actually true, the more we can be free. And when we operate out of our false beliefs, our false assumptions, then we're bound and we're no longer able to see what's really going on. Instead, we're just seeing through the polluted lens of our anxiety. Again, that was what happened to me in that first case when I was so anxious because these people were screaming and grieving Anxiety got in my way. I caught everyone's anxiety. And so I was no longer able to see what the situation required. I was no longer able to see what God was doing. I was only reacting out of my own false need to be in control or to feel helpful or to take charge. So it turns out that learning how to be present to people rather than being in the grip of our anxiety is a real skill. And that's what I teach people. So just a couple of tips on that for those of you who are newer among us. And for some of you, you might just need the reminder. There are two simple ways to notice that you're anxious. And the first way is to pay attention to assumptions. One of the guaranteed sources of anxiety is assumptions. Assumptions about ourselves, assumptions about God, assumptions about how we must be in the world, and of course, assumptions about other people. When I was talking about the four spaces, let's talk about that third space, the space inside the other. Oh my goodness. Talk about generating assumptions. 
Now, how much time do you spend wondering about what other people are thinking? Either what they're thinking about you or you're frustrated because they do something that you don't understand. Why do they do it that way? And you find yourself saying, oh, what were they thinking? Kind of in that exasperated way. You're in third space. You are trying to think about the way someone else thinks. You're making assumptions. Four ways that relationships get into trouble is unspoken expectations that you place on other people, unspoken values when you violate each other's values, the meaning you make out of what you don't know, and the assumptions of the motives of the other person. I'll just say that again. If you want to get any relationship into trouble really quickly, operate out of unspoken expectations. And when the other person breaks that expectation and you get anxious or angry, the second is unspoken values. The third is the meaning you make out of what you don't know, which then relates to the fourth, which is when you make assumptions about motives in the other person. If you want to see this on the screen, just watch any teenage drama. (laughs) I famously talk about Gilmore Girls. I practice lowering my reactivity by watching Gilmore Girls because the writers of Gilmore Girls intentionally break these rules to generate anxiety, generate drama on the screen. And, you know, my teenage daughter, who I dearly love, she loves Gilmore Girls. So I watch Gilmore Girls with her because I love her. But man, it's tough for me. The other thing you can do is simply watch any reality TV show and watch how anxiety spreads in groups through unspoken expectations, unspoken values, the meaning we make out of what we don't know, and the assumptions of motive in another. So just to be real simple, if you want to begin to relax out of anxiety, one of the simplest things you can do is notice when you've crossed into third space. When you are thinking about the way someone else thinks, that means you're anxious. Now, all you have to do, I'm going to say something that's simple. It's just not easy. It's very difficult to do, but it is straightforward. It's simple. Take out a a device or a journal, and when you notice that you are thinking about the way someone thinks, write their name down. Just write their name down, and then pray for them, and then trust them to God. It's absolutely futile, third space anxiety. It's the one space that you have no control over whatsoever, and yet it's commonly one of the spaces that makes you most anxious. So just getting in the habit, and it is a discipline and a habit, of praying for the people you're worried about, praying for the people who frustrate you, who hurt you. Oftentimes, those of you who struggle with criticism, like I do, this you can often spend so much of your brain real estate thinking about your critics. You're trying to figure out, how can I win them over? How can I have them see it my way? It's futile. All it does is generate more anxiety. It's like drinking salt water. You're just going to be thirstier the more you think about it. Pray for them, give them to God, and be free. So, chronic anxiety, false need. What do I think I need that I don't really need? And secondly, assumptions. What meaning am I making out of a situation that I don't actually know? Where in my life... Am I making assumptions about something I don't know? You know, those of us who are followers of Christ, we are people of faith. Our very life is trusting God with control. And assumptions are what we hold when we struggle with faith. Assumptions fill in the gap 
where God's calling us to trust, where we make meaning out of something so that we can have some kind of control over it. This is the sign that we're chronically anxious. So your ability to learn to notice your assumptions, and sometimes you need a group to help you figure this out. You need a group of friends to help you notice your own assumptions because, you know, we all kind of get trapped in our own way of thinking. But you can sift your assumptions through the truth of the scripture and see what comes out. And then over time, once you perfect this skill or once you really work on this skill, you can start to notice the assumptions coming at you from others. Second space anxiety, the space between me and another. Fourth space anxiety, the space between others. You know, once you learn to notice assumptions being placed on you, you can practice calm presence because one of the ways that you will catch another person's anxiety is when you catch their assumptions. I uh, learned this slowly when I did crisis intervention work in Las Vegas. I would deal every day with people in chronic desperate need. And of course, because I was on staff at a large church and they were desperate, they would put a lot of assumptions on me about what they thought I should do as a pastor and as a Christian to get them out of the pickle they were in. And listen, I have tremendous empathy for many people who struggle with chronic poverty. I believe there's systems and structures that keep people poor. I'm not one of those people that think it's always about individual responsibility. All all I know is sometimes when people are desperate for help, they use manipulation as a technique to get what they need. And I, I don't say that with any moral value. I don't blame someone for using the skill of manipulation. All I can say is, as a kind-hearted person who loves to be helpful and has assumptions about what I should do for people in need, when someone placed their assumptions on me, I would get anxious, I'd catch it. So once you learn to notice your own assumptions, you can start to notice people's assumptions as well and learn to not catch them, learn to not operate under the expectation of other people. Particularly those of you who are working for a church right now, the expectation of your people is impossible to keep because everybody in your church has different expectations. And of course, most of your church, they just keep them to themselves. They're decent people, but some of your church are letting you know their expectations, letting you know their opinion, and uh, you can't win. So learning to notice when assumptions are flying at you and learning to not catch them, that's a real skill in lowering your reactivity. So uh, that's just kind of a quick overview, just a quick 20-minute overview of managing leadership anxiety, uh, a couple of tools for you to notice. Um, One more tool before I give you a personal update for myself. I I believe that chronic anxiety, what what it does is it, it invades the space in our life where we're aware of God. It invades our awareness of God. And what that means is when we are anxious, when we're filled with chronic anxiety, it's very difficult for us to be aware that God's with us. It's almost like one displaces the other. So that when you're anxious, your awareness of God is displaced. It's not that God's displaced. We're not that powerful to displace God. It's that our awareness of God is displaced. And so therefore, if we can start to notice when we have stopped noticing that God is with us, that's another sign that we're anxious. I know that's kind of hard to grasp. Let me try it again. 
you can learn to notice when you no longer notice God. And usually the signs are the feeling that it's all on your shoulders, the feeling that you have to carry all the responsibility, just the ability to notice that you've stopped noticing God and then to be able to pause in that moment. One of the most powerful tools to overcome anxiety is to pause, just to stop and listen. It only takes 30 seconds to a couple of minutes and just say, Lord, I've stopped noticing that you're with me. I'm carrying it all. What is it that you're calling me to trust you with? Just a quick prayer. And then most importantly, where's God at work in this situation? And of course, sometimes it's hard to discern, but just the reminder that God's in your anxiety, God's present, and you can relax into the presence of God when you're anxious. So that's another simple tool is paying attention to when you've stopped paying attention to God which for me, honestly, is most of the time. Most of the time in my life, I'm not aware of God's presence. And some of the time, I'm able to stop and remember God's with me. And then when I really am able to relax into the grace of God is when I realize that not only is God with me, God's already gone ahead of me and God's at work in whatever situation I'm anxious about. That sermon coming up or that meeting or that decision we have to make, God's already in it. God's already at work. And I just have to learn to pay better attention to God. So... That's chronic anxiety. That's managing leadership anxiety, yours and theirs. For my new listeners, welcome. We've already had a couple of wonderful guests on the show. Once in a while, I'll come on and just give you some tools like this. Uh, For my longtime listeners, thank you. Thanks for sticking with me as we have this journey together. Obviously, it's a long journey. I began this podcast in November of 2018, and it has been the thrill of my life to get to know so many of you through this podcast and to meet some amazing people who have become guests on my show. I can't believe who God has connected me with that I've just gotten to meet and get to know and enjoy an interview and learn from. So just in the last few minutes, a quick update from me. Where I last left off uh, at the end of season six, I announced to you that I had announced to our church that this would be my last year as the lead pastor of our church after 16 years and probably what it'll end up being 16 and a half years by the time I step off. I'm stepping out of uh, being the full-time lead pastor and I'm stepping into now full-time seminars, consulting and uh, online community and the podcast. I'm doing this work, this integration of faith, emotional tools and spiritual tools and this is now my full-time work. And, uh, you know, I've had a passion for this kind of work for 20-something years. I've been teaching these tools in my local church for 10 years, but it wasn't until my book came out in 2019, Managing Leadership Anxiety, that um, I started to spread the word beyond just my local church. And then quite honestly, it was COVID in 2020 and the global pandemic where people discovered my work and it really took off, you know, I think what happened for a lot of people is it was the first time in their life they realized that they were really anxious. 
anxious in the way I've just been describing about um, what I tell people as I coach and as I, I'm now traveling the country and teaching this stuff is I, I tell them that COVID did not create the condition your soul is in or just exposed it. And so all of us need deeper tools. We have to dig a deeper well. We have to get the hang of being less productive, more innovative, bigger risk, more failure, all of that, more ambiguity, more unknown. All of that makes us anxious. And so I've been really busy since about really March of 2021, where I announced to the church. And so where I am now is I have, I, I wouldn't call it two full-time jobs. I'm, I'm about two-thirds to three-quarters time at the church, and I'm about two-thirds to three-quarters time building this new business. But I am noticing I'm getting pretty worn out. And it's not so much the hours for me, it's the divided brain and the divided heart. Local church leadership and preaching is just a whole different set of skills I mean, there's some overlap, but but to, to launching a new business and I've had to go on a long learning journey of, of online marketing and building a website. I, I have a very complex website that I'll tell you about here in a minute. Uh, and so I'm just finding my brain gets tired quicker uh, as it jumps from one skill to the other. Um, things at church are really well. Um, on, the, on the church front, I have an incredible gift of an amazing eldership. And I'll just say over the 16 years, um, overwhelmingly, my eldership, who are my leaders, the people I submit to, they've been incredible. They take tremendous care of me and and we work so well together. And this eldership, we just, we really enjoy each other. It's been an incredibly sweet season as we talk transition, as we're now deep into interviewing candidates together. With my staff, I, I love the staff that I get to work with at the church I've been fairly absent from the staff. My travel has happened to coincide with our staff meetings. And so I feel like for the last several weeks, I just feel like I've been gone. Even though I've been around, I've been preaching. But uh, So I'm connecting with our staff one-on-one. But in our big staff meetings, I feel like a bit of an absent dad. We're uh, down to our last few candidates uh, for the lead pastor role. And I anticipate that by Christmas or before, we'll have a new pastor in the pulpit. And depending on what's best for the church, what's best for that person's leadership, I'll either stick around in like a quarter time capacity, you know, like 20 hours a month where I'm just being helpful to the new pastor. I'm preaching once a month. I'm doing a little bit of pastoral care. Uh, Or if it's not best for the church and if it's not best for the next pastor, then I'll I'll leave and, um, you know, just say goodbye to this church that I dearly love. One of the things I'm really enjoying on a personal front as I'm traveling more I love chasing the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the independent Christian churches, the restoration movement for some of you who know that. And we, we do not have a robust theology of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so last week, I got to be at Dr. Charlie Dates' church, Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago, one of the classic historic black churches in Chicago. And it was amazing. Dr. Charlie would be considered one of the finest preachers alive today. And I, I would agree, sitting under his preaching, it was a masterclass and powerful. And, and then some of my work leads me into overtly charismatic spaces, spaces I love that I'm not as familiar with. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, I was surrounded by about 500 people speaking in tongues. Uh, it was beautiful and not an experience that I'm accustomed to. So on a personal front, I'm so enjoying chasing the Spirit, learning about God where I'm not always leading and teaching. And then uh, my travel is incredible. I'm getting to meet 
a lot of, I'm doing mostly work right now with nonprofits and churches. Those would be my top two clients. And mostly what I do is I show up and we do anything from half a day to two days together. So I'm pretty much booked out through 2021. But if you are interested in having me come out in 22, anywhere from half a day to two days, I work with your team. It's highly interactive. It's not monologue. I facilitate you guys talking to each other. And we have a lot of laughs and a lot of breakthroughs. And and my whole job is to bring relief. People who are pressured and trying to manage just to come and bring some relief with some tools, helps with some team dynamics. It's a blast. So that's going on right now. I travel about a week a month and then I'm home about three weeks a month working at the church. Also, many of you know, I have launched an online community called Capable Life. And uh, it's where all of these sources are found, all of these resources. I've got right now nine separate modules. And I think uh, off the top of my head, it's about 40 or 50 brief videos, like little 10 minute video vignettes, where you can learn about one topic like triangulation or differentiation, or how do you lower anxiety in other people? This would be like one topic where there's then a series of brief videos that go about 10 minutes with self-assessments, my online community also has a, a confidential password protected discussion forum, monthly Zooms with a coach, um, downloadable PDFs, lots of opportunities there. This week, uh, brand new, we've launched a team edition. If, if you're a leader and you're looking for staff development for your church, your whole staff can sign up together for Capable Life and uh, you can go through the materials together. So this week, three uh, churches and one nonprofit are joining as teams and they'll begin their journey together where they watch a video a week or a couple a week and then they talk and we set them up in their own private discussion online. CapableLife.me, www.CapableLife.me is where you can learn more about that. Right now we have about 300 members from I think it's 16 countries. We have a ton of missionaries on there. And um, that's my best offering if you want to learn more about that. We also launched a couple of weeks ago, a legal display license where, because these videos are really for individual consumption. If you want to show them to a small group, if you want to do a leader training in your church, you can purchase a display license to then display them unlimited for 30 days. So my wife, Lisa and I, we continue to develop content and ways that you can get benefit out of this material. So Obviously, the podcast is free, and I talk about it on the podcast, and then on, on my Twitter handle, at Steve Cusswords, is where I do this as well. And then if you want to dig deeper, you can go to capablelife.me and sign up for yourself. If you want to sign your team up, we don't yet have the way to sign up on the team public. So just email me, steve at stevecusswords.com, steve at stevecusswords.com. And you can, you can Google my name. I'm pretty easy to find, or you can ping me through Twitter. And I'll send you the link for your team. Uh, with your team, we have a whole onboarding process. We have a moderator that phones you and, and walks you through everything. So it's much more of a hand-holding process to help you equip your team. The whole idea is that you're already leading your team. We just provide the content and we equip you as you lead your team through these tools. So that's what's going on with me. Transition with the church is, is bittersweet. There's definitely grief Uh, there's also relief. I'm looking forward to having less to do where I can really focus on this business. And yeah, I think our family's well. I think, I think we're doing well. Yeah. I just wanted to catch you guys up. Wanted to give you some tools for today and share where I'm at. If there's a way I can serve you, uh, steve at stevecusswords.com, reach out. I'd love to hear from you. 
And uh, also, just one final favor. Um, as I roll into 2022, uh, I will need to expand my exposure. Um, we'll need more people to know about what I do for me to stay busy enough. And so I would love your help. And here's how you could help. Uh, number one, if you know of someone I can help, an organization, uh, just maybe connect us and we can have a conversation. I'm not doing, um, I, I'm full with executive coaching right now. Um, so I'm only doing teamwork right now, but in 22, I'll be opening up some more executive coaching options. So if you know of someone you think I can help, make an introduction. I'd be grateful for that. Um, another way you can help me is join Capable Life. It's it's $28 a month. It's really inexpensive. And it's honestly my very best offering. So you could try that and see if that's helpful to you as well. And then finally, um, if you've read my book and it has served you well, I, I'm going to ask if you would just pause and leave an Amazon written review. Ratings are nice, but reviews are gold. And that will help um, Amazon with their algorithm, kind of get my book more exposed. My book has actually sold more in the last three months than I think the last year. It's, it's starting to really take off more. And your reviews could just be a real gift to me for that. And then the same folks with iTunes and this podcast. If you've never left a review, uh, that's kind of like me. I, I'm not, I don't tend to be a review-leaving guy. Um, but that would just really be a gift to me if you'd leave a written review on iTunes about the podcast and that'll get the word out as well. All right, folks, next week, back to a guest and I'll catch up with you in a few more weeks. Thanks so much. For more resources, visit stevecusswords.com or missyoualliance.org.